morning, good morning. It is the eighth day of January in the new year. How are we doing? Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, I, as we were singing um, that, that song, Abide, which I've heard a couple months ago when we were singing it in praise and worship, each time it sort of speaks to me. Um, but there's a part in there that says, you are my treasure and my prize. Everybody remember that lyric, right? So I want you to, I'm going to take you back in your childhood, right? And I want you to think about when you went to McDonald's and you got a Happy Meal. All right? And when you got that Happy Meal, all you said, Mom, Dad, give me that thing. I want to see what's inside of it. I want to see what my treasure and my prize is. Right? And you opened it up and you're like, da, 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 da. And then you showed everybody. If Jesus is our treasure and our prize, are we that excited about him as we are as a Happy Meal toy? Are we sharing him with people like we shared our Happy Meal toy? Think about it. Something so little, so small, so relative. Usually you played for that Happy Meal toy for the day and then you got rid of it. Right? You're not going to get rid of Jesus. He loves you too much. But we can sure as heck show him off and make him our treasure every single day. Right? Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. That's just a rampage that I'm on already. But um, if you don't know me, my name's Pastor Jeremy and it's taken me a long time to adjust to saying that. Obviously, Pastor Jeff is not here and Debbie aren't here. They're in Georgia. Now, some things about this. They were supposed to be in Georgia for Christmas, all right? But their flight plans got canceled, and they weren't able to spend Christmas with their family. So our pastor, in the sacrifice that he does, didn't complain, didn't do anything, just found a different way to do it. But in that, they're there. God's timing is perfect because one of their sons, Brandon, uh, suffered a little accident and had to have a surgery, and he's recovering from surgery. And Pastor Jeff and Deb are able to be down there with him while he's recovering. So God's timing is perfect to set things up. So please be praying for Pastor Jeff and Deb as they're down there. And be praying for Brandon and his family and uh, Blaine and his family um, as they uh, move through this time. Uh, before, before I start today's message, I got a few appetizers. All right, some things I need to get to before we get to the main course. One, I've got to thank all of you for your prayers your encouragement, your just words of notes and cards and things that I've received. Um, this is the first time I've been able to speak to you since um, getting ordained. And um, it's no small feat. Um, it's nothing that I ever would have gone after. Right? It's something that God brought to me. Um, in my life, I've strived for a lot of things. I, I've Got my college degree. I was a Marine. It was a title. I've been an Ironman, which is a title. I've gone after medals and trophies and all these things. I'm a teacher and I'm a coach. But this is nothing that I went after. This is nothing I said, I'm going to be a pastor, and I went after it. Because I don't want nothing to do with it, honestly. All right? This is something that God saw in me and through other people helped me realize that this was a calling that I had in my life. But I could never have done it without all you guys, who each week over the last 22 years just said a, a little thing that may have sparked something in me that said, you know what, you can keep doing this. You can keep doing this. Even though it's really, really tight and it's hard, you can keep doing this. So from the bottom of my heart, my family's heart, thank you so much for your, your, your prayers. Thank you so much for your words of encouragement, your notes. Um, honestly, I've been contacted by people that I haven't talked to in 
10 or 15 years who've reached out to me to say congratulations. But as like I talked to Mark Colbert, this isn't an accomplishment for me. This is a calling. This is what God's got. It's not just a title. It's, it's what God's got for me. So uh, just thank you so much. There's no way that I could get up here and speak today without saying that and acknowledging all you guys and the part that you had. But I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to give you another appetizer. Um, I always think that it's, it's cool to teach off of things that are relevant and applicable. Um, there was a unifying or a uniting event that took place in our country this week. Does anybody know what it is? A football game. A football game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, all right? If you're not familiar with it, all right, there was an accident in the football game. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, a, a safety who tackles people, went to make a tackle, and when he did, he got hit in the chest, he went down, he stood back up, he went back down again, all right? Something that in my life is way too familiar because it happened to me. Um, 11 years ago, I was involved in a lacrosse accident where a player took a shot. He, my defenseman raised his arm. The ball hit the kid in the chest, and the kid went down in front of me and another coach, and we had to do CPR on him, and we had to shock him with an AED. And he's still alive, and he's got a family and everything else, and I united with him this week, 11 years after the accident. Um, but what, what, you're like, why are you talking about this? I'm talking about this for a couple reasons. Does anybody here personally know Damar Hamlin? No. Chances are no. Okay. None of us know him, but he's united a country. His accident has united a country to the fact that millions of people have prayed for him. People who've never prayed, don't even know what prayer is, have had some sort of belief that they need to say something on his behalf. All right. This was done on national TV on ESPN. Daniel Orleski, who was, he's a commentator on ESPN, who was an NFL quarterback himself, stopped in the middle of a telecast. And he said, you want, we can say we're going to pray. He said, but I'm going to pray. And he prayed on national TV on, sorry, ESPN, which if you know anything about ESPN, that's not a place you pray. All right. He took, he was bold. He put everything on the line. Millions of dollars he put on the line, but did, was obedient to what God had him to do. And he didn't just say, oh, make him better. He said, we believe in prayer. We know prayer heals. And he went through the gamut. You can look it up on YouTube. It's amazing. All right. But he boldly stood in front of a country, a world, and prayed to God. All right. Not only did this create prayer unity, this incident raised funds. Damar Hamlin had a desire to have a toy fund. He had a goal of, make, of, of raising $2,500 to get toys for his local kids in the city he grew up in. As of this morning, that toy fund is over $8 million. Now I say this to say this. If God can do this with an accident, then what can he do if we all unite? What if every church united? What power would we have in prayer? What power would we have in finances? What influence would we have on this world? Right? God can use anything for his good, and he did. 
right? But, but that my emphasis here is this, okay? This was an accident. A great thing happened in that they saved his life. There was great medical people. You couldn't ask for the better medical staff to be there where he was at, all right? But I'm going to tell you this. DeMar Hamlin's life is no different than yours. It's no different than the four people who were stabbed in Utica this week. And it's no different than the four people who were shot in Syracuse. But we don't know their names. They're not on national TV. God loves each one of us the same. Please don't put a value on somebody's life because they're famous more, more than somebody else's. Because God loves each and every one of us. All right? This is just an instance where one person, and God used it, that accent, because he uses all things for good, showed what could possibly happen. This is just a little bit of revelation of what's to come. Pastor Gabe and I were talking about this, and Pastor Gabe said there's going to be, he believes there will be no revival until we unite. This is just pulling a little bit of that veil of what this could possibly look like. I'll tell you what, this is exciting. This is exciting in a worldly thing, but when it comes into a godly realm, all things are possible. So that's just a, a, another part of the appetizer I wanted to share with you this morning. Um, I really think that it's important that we understand that life is life and every life is important to God's. No matter if you're a football player or just an ordinary person, he can use you. So last week we heard from Pastor Jeff and he brought us a, a New Year's message that was titled Hope Filled for 2023. He talked about building courage, regaining faith, and creating hope. He shared a, a, an important scripture. He shared uh, Hebrews 6, 18, which says, We have run for our, for our very lives to God, have every, and we have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. I'm going to ask you a question today, because that's usually what I do up here. Are you grabbing for God with both hands? Are you willing never to let go? Are you grabbing onto God with one hand and trying to do other things with the other hand? Right? Or are you doing what most of us, including myself, do? Are you juggling? I'm doing this, this, this. Oh, God. I'm doing this, this, this. Oh, God. Right? Right here it says... We have to run for our very lives to God and have every reason to grab the promised hope with both. You know what happens when you grab with both? You can't grab anything else. There's nothing else to be grabbed. So as we go through this week, let's remember that we've got to stop juggling. We've got to grab with both hands. We have an eternal spiritual desire to grab God with both hands and never let go. But this world has such a pull on us that it's very, very difficult. So today I would like to share a message with you titled New Beginnings. Before we get started with this message, I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for what you've already revealed to us through music, Lord, through appetizers, Lord, and Lord, just through your grace and your mercy. Lord, as I speak today, Lord, I ask that you anoint me, Lord. I ask that my words be your words, Lord. I ask that your spirit come out of me, Lord. And Lord, that lives are changed because of not what I say, Lord, but because what you've imparted. 
Lord, we thank you for softened hearts, Lord. We thank you for open minds, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit moving throughout each one of us so that we can hear what you have for us to hear and make changes where you have for us to make changes. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I started this morning, I said we're eight days into New Year's. And, where, and, and during this time, people make an effort to better themselves, right? People make New Year's resolutions. My question is, if you made New Year's resolutions, how you doing? Right? How many people went to the gym this week? Right? How busy was the gym? <laughs> right? Don't worry, it'll clear out in a little bit. Right? But when we're looking at New Year's resolutions, in 2022, of the 41% of Americans who made New Year's resolutions, 9% of them followed them out. So 41% of Americans made a New Year's resolution, and only 9% of them followed it out. So let's look at some statistics from 2023, right? In 2023, this was just done in November, all right? This is, these are the top New Year's resolutions there are, right? To exercise more. Out of the 413 adults that were surveyed, all right, 52% of them said they wanted to exercise more. Right, 50% of them said they wanted to eat healthier. Would we all agree, right? 40% of them said they wanted to lose weight. 39% said they wanted to save money. 37% of them said they wanted to spend more time with their family and friends. 20%, this blows my mind, only 20% of them said they wanted to spend less time on social media. All right? 19% said reduce stress on their job. And 19% said reduce spending and living expenses. So as we look at this chart, look at the top three, right? The top three have to do all with health, all right? And really what they have to do with is self, all right? The other interesting thing that I find here is there's only one resolution that directly benefits other people, and that's spending time with friends and family. All the rest of them, we're all about ourselves. Isn't that a great depiction of what our world's all about right now? Right? So we can learn a lot from this. All right? As we look at resolutions today, it may be difficult for us to believe that some research shows that New Year's resolutions started over 4,000 years ago with the Babylonians. Yeah. I was like amazed when I found that, Right? For early Christians, the first day of the new year became a traditional occasion of thinking of one's past mistakes and resolving to do better in the future in 1740, when John Wesleyan, an English clergyman, created a covenant renewal service. So on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, they would have this covenant renewal service, which would be a praise and worship service with um, scriptures shared and hymns sung that would have people go in and want a new renewal. All right, these services still take place today, which is pretty cool. So now that we know a little bit about the most popular resolutions for 2023 and the history of resolutions, I'd like to take a minute and talk about something I heard quite often this year. I can't wait for 2022 to be over. How many people said it? I did. I'm not going to lie, all right? But when we say things like this, there's things we got to think about, all right? My question is why? 
Why do we want it to be over? Could it be a bad thing that happened to us? Could it be like we had no luck? Could it be bad health? Could it be the circumstances we're in? Absolutely. Things add up. But my question is, what did we get when 22 ended? When 2022 ended, did anything change other than a number on a calendar? Just because we turned the page on a calendar doesn't mean that our circumstances change. Did the tests and trials we faced in 2022 immediately race when the clock struck midnight like Cinderella? They didn't. They carried themselves into 2023. You all know what the answer is? The answer is no. It didn't change. So if our circumstances don't change, and what we're facing is still the same challenge that we faced in 2022, it's up to us being directed by God to make the necessary changes we need to make. But how, no, how many of us know that change is not easy? <laughs> right? There's nothing easy about change. The other thing is, change isn't possible without God's help. The good news is, is it's never, it's never too late to change. In order to make God-directed changes in our lives that will create new beginnings, it will take one of the three words that Pastor Jeff spoke about last week, and that's courage. Nelson Mandela said, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the triumph over it. Fear is going to be there. It's what we do with that fear that allows us to conquer it. You know, some of you have heard me say this story before. I went to Beaver Camp, which is a high ropes course with the, with the youth group one year. And um, even though I've jumped out of helicopters and done all sorts, I don't enjoy heights. All right? I don't enjoy them. But the kid, we were up on this high ropes thing called the heebie-jeebie. All right, just to let you know where we're at, is this tightrope that went to a different tightrope, and you only, like, had to hang on and whatever. And the kids are like, go, go, Jeremy, go, try it. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to try it. <laughs> right? So I said, I can outwit them. I said, I'll do this. You guys want me to try it? I'll try it. I'm going to do it blindfolded. So I blindfolded myself, and I had to climb up this tree and shimmy across this tightrope. My, my reasoning, my rationale was this. If I fall, it doesn't matter because I'm blindfolded. I trust the equipment that's there, right? I know that it's going to hold me or else they wouldn't have it there. And if I fall blindfolded, it's not going to be a big deal because I didn't triumph it blindfolded, but I don't have to look at anything I'm doing, <laughs> right? God was good to me that day, and I negotiated the whole thing blindfolded. And the kids thought I was like this, some big hero. Until years later when I revealed to them, you know what? I was a big chicken. <laughs> All right? Because I hid from what I was facing by blindfolding myself. But really, God's revealed to me over and over that I had to trust him a whole lot. <laughs> right? I had to trust him with every move that there is. So the thing is, is courage is not the absence of fear. Fear is there. But it's our triumph over it in whatever it may be. To start new beginnings, we have to be courageous. And it will have a cost. God-directed changes in our lives will have an earthly cost, but will have eternal value. 
if we remember what Pastor Jeff taught us last year about abiding, which we sung today, God is so good, right? There is a constant pruning that takes, that takes place to lead us to abundant growth. So as a congreg- our congregation moves into 2023, it begins to start our 21 days of fasting and prayer. It's very important that we check in with God and do an honest evaluation of our lives. In the past, this has been called a reset or a reboot. But today I would look, like to look closely at a tool God has given us to do an evaluation and talk about how we can make godly and Holy Spirit or make God and Holy Spirit a major player in this process. We can learn so much from David's prayer in Psalms 139, which says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Before we get into breaking this challenging scripture down, Let's think about the things David already knew about the one he was asking to execute this prayer. David believed in the omniscient God, the all-knowing God. David believed in the omnipresent God, the God who's present in all places. And and David believed in the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God. God knows it all, he sees it all, and he has it all. David was willing to put everything on the line to have God examine and show him which areas of his life needed to make changes and which areas of his life needed new beginnings. As we go through this prayer, I will be using the New Living Translation and the easy-to-read version to gain better perspectives. So let's jump right in. Psalms 139.23, this is the first part of it, and we look at both translations One says, search me, O God, and know my heart. The other one says, God, examine me and know my mind. I want to take a quick look at the opening verse. We look at two words, search and examine. Search means to look into, look over thoroughly, or be careful. Examine means to bring, brings it to a whole nother level. To inspect closely or to investigate. I remember being in Marine Corps boot camp and going through many, many, many uniform inspections. Our drill instructors would stand in front of us with a clipboard. They would look us up and down from our head to our toes. If we were in our utilities, they would be looking for our our camouflage utilities to be starched and pressed, our boots to be spit shine. If we were in our dress uniforms, They would be looking for our ribbons to be measured out perfectly, our belts to be at the perfect length, and the drill instructors would search and examine our uniforms till they found something wrong. (laughs) They were going to find something wrong, and it didn't matter what it was. Quite often what they found was this little thing called an Irish pennant. Does anybody know what an Irish pennant is? No. All right, an Irish pennant is the silliest thing that there is. Usually what it is, right, you know your pocket seam or your belt loop seam. You know that little thread that isn't tucked in that when the sewing machine stopped, it's just sticking there? That's what it is, right? And when you would go through your uniform, you'd either have a lighter or you'd have a pair of nail clippers or a pair of scissors, and you'd go through every seam 
and you cut all those little frays off. But they would find the one, no matter where it was, even if they had to pull it, to make sure that they found this Irish pendant on you. Which sounds sort of silly. But there was a reason for it. And at 18 years old, I didn't understand that reason. I just thought it was ridiculous. But what the drill instructors were telling us is that attention to detail was the important thing. All right? This Irish pennant, what it really is by definition, is it's a loose, untidy object on a naval installation. All right? So it's like the rope that's loose. All right? It's the end of the line that's left hanging loose or out of place. <clears throat> to David, when he asked God to search or examine him, he was asking God to show him every little thing that was out of place. By asking God to search him and examine him, what he was doing was bringing light to the darkness. And that was the darkness that was in his life. As parents, most of us have told our children, hey, go clean your room, and I'll come and inspect it. But when I've come to check that room, has anybody checked that room with the lights off? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't go inspect the room with the lights off, right? But my question is, is have, when we found out those, those lights off, we wouldn't be there. We need to turn the light on to see what's going on. Jesus is the light. And we can see that in John 8, 12, where it says, Later, Jesus talked to the people again. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never live in darkness. They will have the light that gives life. To do an honest search or examination of ourselves, we need the light. We need God to do the examination. We can only see what we want to see. We deceive ourselves, and we'll learn more about that later. We can have God and the Holy Spirit examine and reveal things in our lives. All we have to do is invite them in. I like to look at the Holy Spirit as night vision goggles. Even when we don't want to turn the light on and examine things, the Holy Spirit can reveal things to us that are hidden, tucked away, and living in the darkness. The best part of the scripture is it says that if we follow Jesus, we'll never be in the darkness. We will sin, of course, but we won't end up in the dark place for eternity. I'd like to also be reminded that when a doctor or police investigator goes in to search for something and examine something, they don't ransack it. The Holy Spirit will convict us by what is revealed, but the Holy Spirit will not condemn us. That's the work of the enemy. When we do this examination ourselves, condemnation is going to come in, and that's what's going to feel like that big mess. That's not a God, because he doesn't do that. He's not going to ransack us. He's going to show us, and he's going to give us the opportunity to work on it with his help. We need to understand that. Going back to Psalms 123, it continues to go on and says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. God, examine me and know my mind. The scripture goes on to say, Know my heart and know my mind. We all believe we have good hearts and minds. 
We can answer to our motives and what the reason are for what we do things and always be ready to tell people what's important to us and why. We believe our hearts are good because we pray and read our Bibles, but when God does a search of our heart or examines our mind, which is our thoughts, what does it show? We have to be reminded what it says in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful thing of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I'm going to say this first. We lie to ourselves. Right? We lie to ourselves. I've told myself I'm stupid. I've told myself I'm better than them. I don't need that. And the list goes on. We're born into a sinful world. Our heart without God is all about self. Our heart is geared towards the temporary, not the eternal things. If we don't include God, we won't focus on the eternal things. Our heart wants the easy way, not the holy way. And lastly, our hearts become obsessed with what we want rather than what God wants for us. Our world says, follow your heart. If you leave with one thing today, it would be to follow God, and he will show you his heart and the love that he has for you and for all humanity. David knows he has fallen short at times, even after being deemed a man after God's own heart, which we can see in 1 Samuel. David knows he cannot trust his own heart and mind. Courageously, David invited God into his innermost thoughts and asked God to alter his perspective, to see things truly as God sees them, and to help himself to walk in the ways to prosper his soul. That's a deep, courageous prayer. But it can be a life-changing as well. The second part of verse 23 goes on to say, Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me and know all my worries. David goes on to ask God to test him about his thoughts and his worries. This word test isn't what we typically think of. It's referring to a, a, a purification of metal. The process at which gold and silver are purified, where they're put under extreme heat, and all the impurities are taken out of them that way. David is saying, show me, bring out my impurities, all my thoughts and worries that are not of you, God. Let them boil to the surface. Show me the things in my life that do not line up with the truth of your word. Worry and anxiousness are impure thoughts. And God and David knows the root of these anxious thoughts is flawed thinking. A thinking which does not line up with the truth of God's word. Often our anxious thoughts and worries expose things to us. It's been said that what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Do you have anxiety over money? Maybe you don't trust the one who provided food to the sparrows and gave manna to the Israelites for 40 years. Maybe you're anxious and worried about the political climate, but please remember that God appoints all authority. 
Maybe you're worried about your children, but please remember what it says in Psalms 127. Children are a gift from God. Our children were God's before he blessed us with them. How much more does he care for them than we do? Cast away our weary and our fear and give them God. Give them to God and trust he is in control. David asked God to refine his thinking to show him any impurities, which may cause him to think in ways that don't align with God's truth. When God brings these impure thoughts and worries to the surface, we have a choice what we do with them. We can sit on them and entertain them, or we can do what it says in 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, he cares for you affectionately and cares about your, you watchfully. We can give all of our thoughts, concerns, and worries to God for one single reason. He cares about us. Anxiety and worry can be consuming and tiresome. But please remember the promise of this scripture. We do not have to carry around the baggage that weighs us down. We can hand it over to God and have great weight lifted off of our lives. When we look at the word cast, one may think of fishing. We must understand that one of the meanings is to throw something forcefully. Throw away the anxiety, throw away the worry, throw away the concerns. Cast them on God and do not reel the thoughts back in. You're not throwing a boomerang and it shouldn't come back to you. You're throwing a stone that should sink deep away. When the Holy Spirit brings light to things in our thoughts that don't line up with God, we must throw them to God, get rid of the baggage, and understand it's okay because God cares with us with great affection. Looking back at Psalms 139 24, it says, Point out anything that offends you. Make sure that I'm not going the wrong way. The progression of this scripture is amazing. God moves from our thought life and our hearts and our minds and our anxieties and worries now to our actions. By, God, by David asking God to show him areas in his life where he's headed in the wrong way, or those that offend God, means that there's some sort of action being taken. As we've heard Pastor Jeff say, it's not a sin to be angry. But putting actions to our anger is where sin comes in. It's very important for us to ask God what offends him and understand why. Because we have the ability to rationalize. Remember, our hearts are deceitful. I have the ability to make wrong things seem right. We do this often with good things rather than God things. There was a time where I was serving in Quest when we were, on, when we were serving on Wednesday nights. And um, I wanted to go to a Christian concert on a Wednesday night. A great thing to do, right? I was going to enhance myself, make myself better. It was a Christian thing to do. But then God reminded me what I was called to do. 
I was called to be in Quest. I wasn't called to be at the concert. I wanted to be at the concert, and I rationalized why it was okay to be at the concert. But I surely could have missed what God called me to do on that night. And that was have an impact on, on kids. And I'm glad that he revealed that to me as well. It's not just me, right? We can rationalize about anything. What do you think David was thinking when he called for Bathsheba to come over? What do you think David was thinking when he said, hey, let's send Uriah to the front lines? We can rationalize our thinking very, very easily. As a matter of fact, we're really, really good at it. I can have one drink. The Bible says don't get drunk. You can. But I know if I have one drink, it's going to lead to two drinks, lead to three drinks, four drinks, and I'm not going to be where I'm supposed to be, so I choose not to drink at all. Because I know what God's done for me and where I could take myself by rationalization. Asking God to show us the things that offends him or the places where we're headed in the wrong direction puts a spotlight on it. Again, God will illuminate these areas, but it's up to us to make the change and not rationalize with these offenses so that we can carry on with our lives. Walking in the way that hurts and offends God only leads to death and destruction, which often grows us further and further away from God because we feel like we're not, we're not good enough to be around him. And that's the enemy's plan, is to separate us. Each one of us cut us off one by one. He's not going to come in and cut a whole church off from God. That's too hard. But if he can get me to distrust God, and then you see distrust in me, then you're like, oh, if it's not for him, then I can distrust God. And then one by one, we just start shedding off. We can all walk away. We can all walk away, and that's not the plan. That's not God's plan at all, is separation. God wants us to be together. But it takes courage. It takes courage to look at our lives, hear what God has for us to say, see what he has for us to do. We might have to walk away from friend groups. We might have to turn off our TVs or our computers. We might have to shut down our social media. And at one point in my life, I had to step away from coaching lacrosse, which for most of you guys knows is a huge part of my life. But when I was on a lacrosse field, I was not a person of God. I wasn't a person of God in the way I was talking to my players. I wasn't a person of God in the way I was talking to referees. I wasn't a person of God in anything. And what it did is lacrosse, something I love, separated me from who God had for me to be. And he said, step away. And it was hard. And I ignored it for a long time. But when I did, he did a tremendous work in me. And I'm grateful for that. And I coach today. And I, I coach a whole lot differently than I did back then, which is, which is <laughs> to God be the glory. But sometimes we got to step away from those things that we love for God to show us what he can do. God wants us to enjoy life, but he doesn't want things in our lives to hinder our relationship with him. 
Making changes to our lives is not easy. But remember, with Christ, all things are possible. And he works all things together for good. This prayer of David closes with this. It says, lead me along the path of everlasting. Lead me on the path that has always been right. David knows that if he walks his own path, he'll get off course. As we were reminded in Jeremiah 21 and 11, but what God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. God knows where we're supposed to be. He has the map. We just have to trust him and follow him and experience the great future that he has before us. But it takes courage. Think about this, right? Lately, I've had to travel a lot. Um, been taking trips to New Jersey and Philadelphia and other places. When I've got to make that trip, you know the first thing I do? I p type in the address which I'm going to go to. I don't know how to get to these places by memory. Some of them I've never been to before. And I type them in and I press start. And then it tells me where to go. Turn by turn, I follow this thing, trusting that I'm going to get to where I've got to go to. A little computer object. Why do I have such a hard time trusting the one who has the map, who knows where I'm going to go, who created the computer project, right? We trust things that are so earthly, but we have such a hard time trusting God. I've got I, what I think is a little bit of the answer here, all right? When I type in, I know the address I'm going to, that's where I'm going. When I'm walking God's path, I have no idea where I'm going. Because if 22 years ago you would have told me I would have been up here, I would have said, heck no, I'm not going. That's why he doesn't show us. Right? But he gives it to us turn by turn. I follow him to the next turn, and he reveals a little bit more. And I follow him to the next turn, and he reveals a little bit more. And he follow him on the next turn, and he reveals a little bit more. But if he showed us the whole picture, we'd all walk away. We know where we're going. We're all going to eternity. Spend life with him for eternity. And that's the thing that matters. That's where we got to trust him. That's where you're taking me. It doesn't matter what happens in between. I'm going to trust in you, God, to get me there. That's what we got to believe. But instead, we want to know where each turn is going to bring us. We can't handle where each turn is going to bring us. That's why we're not shown. I truly believe that. Because we'd walk away. I would walk away in a second. There's no way that I would have thought 22 years ago when I walked into this church for the first time where I said, I'm going to go be a youth leader so that I can learn like children because I know nothing about the Bible. Nothing. When I came to this church the very first time, I knew nothing about the Bible. I went over there to learn like a child because I couldn't take in what was happening here. And all I knew is that I had to follow God turn by turn by turn. And little by little would he start revealing what he had. And he's not done. 
He's not done in my life, and he's not done in your life. But my question is, are you following him to the next turn? Are you waiting for the next set of instructions? Have you completed the the instructions you're in? Because he's not going to give us the next set until we complete what he's got for us. You know what he's going to do? He's going to say recalculating. And he's going to turn us back around. (laughs) Recalculating. You haven't finished that yet. No, I want to move on. Recalculating. Get back there and do it. And then he's going to bring us on. And then when we get to that part, he's going to bring us on. He's going to show us more. We have to walk with God daily, hour by hour, minute by minute, and he will reveal the path that he has to us. And it won't be as, as overwhelming as if he showed us the full picture. David knows that if he is led by God, he will gain God's perspectives, which will take the focus off himself and switch it to God and, the, and others. There's great wisdom in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and se- through 7. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. It doesn't say walk away slowly. It doesn't say, hey, go back. It says run. Run like the dog is chasing you is what I tell my lacrosse players. Run like he's going to bite you. When we know we're in the wrong spot, run. All right? Proverbs 3 here, the action part of it is one, trust God. Two, allow him to help us figure it out. Three, listen to him in everything that we do. Now, does he speak to us in everything? Absolutely not. Honestly, there's only one time in my life that I feel that I ever heard, like, God audibly speak to me. Every other time, it's just been an unction from the Holy Spirit to go down that road. He will keep us on the right path if we do those things. We got to trust that we don't know it all and seek God for his wisdom, and we need to get wise counsel around us so that we can have other reliable resources speaking into our lives. We got to run to God in everything and run away from evil. God has great plans in store for each one of us. Today we looked at a prayer that has the opportunity to be life-changing. David wanted God to reveal to him the areas of his life that were not productive or pleasing to God. The first thing David had to do was humble himself. Trusting that what God would reveal to him through prayer, fasting, studying, and nudges from the Holy Spirit, and by people that God sent to him, that the best was in store for him. So as we move into 2023... Are you willing to humble yourselves and ask God to search you, test you, point things out to us, and most importantly, lead us into the year that has the best in store for us? One way that we're going to do this, one way we're going to unite this congregation, is by seeking God 
through our 21 days of fasting and prayer. As you heard from Taylor earlier today, this event will start next Monday on January 16th and will conclude on February 5th. Tomorrow morning, the website will have the prayer devotional in PDF form. If you want to print it, it will be there. There in the prayer devotional, there is an explanation of what fasting is and different ways to do it. There's an introduction as to why we're doing it. And then there's the 21 days of the devotional. If you don't want to print it, that's fine. We will be posting each day's devotional. will be posted at 5.30 each morning when we start. So that first day, January 16th, at 5.30 in the morning, if you have the church app, it will come to your phone. It'll be there for all you early risers, and you'll be able to read it. And most importantly, just don't read it, okay? We get in the, in the, the um, habit of reading things, but we need to meditate on it. It's going to be easy to read, but it's going to take us to meditate on it to apply it and make it stick. You know, one of the ways that I, I would ask you to check yourself is if you do your devotional first thing in the morning, then before you go to bed, recheck in with yourself and see if you can remember what you read. Right? Ha have, a, have a check system. Because really what we should be doing is we should read this, and then we should stir on it, and by the end of the day, it should become a little bit of a part of us. Right? But next week, you're going to hear more about the fasting part of it, the prayer part of it. But again, the devotional will be there on the church app every morning at 5.30. The devotionals will also be on our Instagram and our Facebook page. So there's several different ways to get it. Um, but next week, we'll be learning more about that. But your homework for this week is to seek God and have him do some searching to reveal to you what you should be fasting over the next 21 days. Right? We don't want to get to January 16th and be making decisions on what we should be doing on that day. We've got a seven-day window where we can be seeking God to see what he has us to fast or pray about during these 21 days. For me, personally, I'm going to start each morning with this prayer. And then I'm going to add my devotional on top of it. And if we make this, this, this prayer of David's, part of our lives, the first initial reveal is going to be a little bit challenging. Everybody agree? Right? God's going to show us some things over time. He's not going to dump everything on us. Right? But he's going to show us. Stuff. But if we do this every single day, it's not going to be as overwhelming as it is the first time. That daily check-in of, of search me, seek me, show me, examine me. Right? I know that you've heard today it's not necessary, the things are not ne necessarily easy to hear. Asking God to reveal things to us that are unseen can be a very humbling experience. We must know that before asking God to apply what we've learned today through Psalms 139 in our lives, he has the ability to convict us. He has the ability to correct us. He has the ability to redirect us. And he has the ability to change the way our, we see ourselves. And he will also give us a new perspective on how we see others. In no way, shape, or form should you feel condemnation. And if you do, that's of the enemy and we've got to run. 
All right, this is a tool that God's given us to make us better, to make us walk on his path. The enemy will use this tool to make us feel awful, and we've got to run from it. This examination at times may feel like surgery, but the healing pain that will come with it from the revelations will make us more mature in Christ and help lead us down the path that God has for us. As we've heard today, there's only one person who can bring light to our darkness and offers us new beginnings, and that's Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, creator of heaven and earth, the almighty God, the person I call my friend and my father. Do you know him? I'd like to give everybody here today the opportunity to put their trust in Jesus and make him Lord of their lives. Having a personal relationship with Christ and having the Holy Spirit live within us as a guidance system will help shine light in our darkness and lead us down the path of everlasting. For those here this morning, let us pray together. Would you please bow your heads? Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. And thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I recognize my need for forgiveness and I surrender my life to you today. I accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. Please show me your path and help me become the person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, most of you who are in here have said that prayer before. If for some reason this is the very first time you've said it, thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome to the kingdom of God. Um, please let an usher or a pastor know so that we can be praying for you and give you resources that will help you along this journey.